Terry and Jesse show two Catholics with PhDs in common sense. And my name is Jesse Romero. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and my partner. Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jess, it's so good to have you back this week. Uh, God bless you. I know everybody's been praying for you, and I want to just publicly say from Virgin Most Powerful, I got so many people saying that they wanted to pray for your success of your operation and getting you back. One lady wrote me a letter, Jesse, and saying that I offered my life to God that if you would spare the life of Jesse Romero because Jesse is wow. preaching the word of God. That's powerful. That's redemption. I mean, that, that tells you the kind of listeners we have, Brother Jess. They're, they're that, prayer that's warriors. Hum- that's humbling. And uh, yeah. it goes to show you, Terry, it's, 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 it's what St. Paul talks yeah. about in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. He says, when one person suffers, we all suffer. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. Yeah. So it's uh, thanks be to God through these platforms on the Internet. We've become one big family here. Oh, yeah. Well said. Well, today we've got a great topic, the secret of the holy face, the devotion. And we've got a, a wonderful guest coming on to talk about his great book. It's going to be fascinating. And, you know, the little flower had a great love for the holy face and other great saints. And Jess, we're going to have the last segment. I really find it interesting. Jess, you got this article, A Christian Response to Pride Month. And how do we handle that? I, I'll tell you, I know uh, I'm looking for direction, and that article has a great resource for that and much, much more. But before we get to all these articles, and Jesse, I know has some good news stories. I have some good news stories, too, for today. But before we get to all of that, let's get some soul food, the greatest news, the Bible. Yeah, Terry, today, today's uh, the Holy Gospel was feast. according to St. Luke. Yes, I Yeah, love it. absolutely. And uh, let's not forget, today is the feast day, the Nativity of John the Baptist. Wow. John the Baptist, pray for us. And just before you get to the Gospel, let's just say something about John the Baptist. We have a John the Baptist in our church today. You know who I think it is? Archbishop Vigano, brother. Uh, you and me are tracking <laughs> the same direction. <laughs> so let's talk about the Gospel, and then let's talk about St. John the Baptist. It's the Holy Gospel says that when the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Mm-hmm. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy towards her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came up the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said in reply, no, he will be called John. But they answered her, there is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to the Israel, the gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. A couple of things I want to say about John the Baptist. Those are the same words that the Bible says about Samson. Those last words <laughs> that we see, the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the dead. It's the same thing is said about Samson, the strongest man in the Old Testament. Also, something else about John the Baptist the Bible actually says that, that there has not appeared on earth a man born of woman greater than John the wow. Baptist. Talk about 
talk about, uh, you know, what an endorsement is that? <laughs> it says it all. And, and I'll tell you the greatness of John the Baptist. I think it, it, it comes from where John says that about, he says about the Lord, he says, he must increase while I must decrease. And so he says this about Jesus in relation to himself because the the prophecy of John was completed at the coming of Christ. And so Jesus, the Son of God, who was meant to be lifted up on the cross, he's going to increase. In other words, he's the focal point of Christianity, while John the Baptist is basically saying, you know, I'm destined to have my head cut off. I'm going to decrease. My job is done now that the Messiah is here. But again, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have an incredibly high place in heaven we also know about John the Baptist that he was sanctified in the womb at the visitation. And uh, he also preached repentance that was necessary to prepare for Christ's coming. And one other thing about John the Baptist, he was not politically correct. He told King Herod to his face about his unlawful marriage uh, to his brother's wife. And as a result of that, John died a martyr. And his martyrdom really anticipated the martyrdom of Jesus Christ as well. Terry? Yes, I just have one more uh, comment, observation. He's the saint of the day for the lit, for the clergy, all the way from the Pope to bishops to priests. I would say that he is the model because the pressure that's being put on Holy Mother, the Church, to compromise its morals is huge. And I would ask St. John the Baptist to intercede for us us guys down below here on planet earth that we are that our leaders will take inspiration from him and not compromise one iota Terry, the last two days we've had inspirational saint john fisher exactly. uh, saint thomas moore yep. saint john the baptist i think god is speaking to us yep. and the clergy amen well said jess let's bring the smartest guy into the room archbishop Fulton. full sheen ahead and jess i got this quote because there are so many people in the world suffering. And as you know, we've talked about Colossians chapter 1. But here's what Bishop Sheen said, and I thought it was so beautiful. He said, All of you, therefore, who for months and years have lain crucified on beds of pain, remember that an hour will come when you will be taken down from your cross. And the Savior shall look upon your hands and feet and sides to find there the imprint of his wounds, which will be your passport to eternal joy for being made like him in his death and shall be made like him in his glory. Jesse, that statement I, I picked up on from Fulton Sheen says it all about redemptive suffering that, you know, many people today in the church, they, they see suffering as an evil. They do. No, no, don't, don't, no, no. But if we're going to follow Christ, it's basically life, death, and resurrection. We have our own crucifixion to go through, whether it's at the end of our life, as St. Maximilian Colby said, three stages of life, your formation, your apostolate, whether you're husband, wife, priest. And then he said, for most of us, our third stage of life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and without understanding redemptive suffering— you miss it all. There's a little, and I'll get, turn it back to you, Jess. There's a little boy story that it was so beautiful. I was reading it today where he, he was suffering in the hospital. And, of course, the priest told him about redemptive suffering. And the little boy started crying. He says, are you okay? He says, I'm crying because 
I've had a whole year of suffering, and I didn't know I could offer it up to save souls. Mm. Yeah, see, this is our faith, and this is why the fundamentals need to be taught, and they're not being taught, and that's why I'm happy to say that Fulton Sheen's material can bring back a wayward church, and that's why I promote Sheen every day. A couple of news items. Uh, Pope Francis touts marriage that, between a man and a woman. I'm, I'm so glad he's, uh, <laughs> he's touting the traditional teachings of the church. That's, that's very good. On Friday, he touted the importance of marriage and warned of a social disaster of nations failed to honor the family as their primary institution. He said the family founded on marriage is crucial. It is a primary cell of our communities and must be recognized as such in its unique and indispensable regenerative function, close quote. The Pope also decried low birth rates in Europe, pointed out that, quote, an aging Europe that is not reproducing is a Europe that cannot afford to talk about sustainability. Those are good statements. So I, I applaud him for it. I do. Also, quote of the day, uh, Elon Musk said, we are simultaneously being told that gender differences do not exist and that genders are so profoundly different that irreversible surgery is the only option. Perhaps someone wiser than me can explain this dichotomy. Leave it to Elon Musk for always throwing common sense barbs out there. Oh, no, he's hitting hard. If also pro-life activists face violence from pregnancy care clinic workers to sidewalk counselors to public speakers, pro-life advocates are reporting an uptick in violent confrontations and threats from pro-abortion agitators. Surprise, surprise. In what seems to be a pattern of political terrorism, pro-abortion groups have claimed credit for numerous attacks on pro-life properties, including incidents of vandalism and arson. In addition, however, pro-life activists also report that they're now faced with more in-person confrontations in the workplace as well. And finally, school club pressures heterosexual students. <laughs> the Unitown Club school program used in Arizona Scottsdale Unified School District yep. asked high school students a number of bizarre questions about their sexuality. Students were asked how they knew if they were straight what they thought caused their heterosexuality, and whether they had considered their heterosexuality might only be a phase. The program also asked, considering the menace of overpopulation, how could the human race survive if everyone were heterosexual? Close quote. Terry, whatever happened to schools teaching reading, <coughs> writing, and arithmetic? Amen. I got another good news story. We've got uh, the first married couple to be beatified together. And it's, his name is Blessed Luigi and Maria Beltram from Italy. And uh, their kids, they had two boys and two girls. Both the pr uh, boys became priests, one a Trappist priest and one a Benedictine monk. And what's so interesting about this family is that they did some heroic things during World War I and World War II, hiding Jews. And they uh, they were just holy, holy mom and dad. And uh, I just want to say kudos because... We need more married couples as examples that, you know, holiness is not just for the priests and the nuns. It's a universal call for all of us to live holy lives. We're all called to be saints. What else is there? We come back, we're going to talk about the secret of the holy face, devotion to the holy face, and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
We've got Father Carney on with us on the Terry and Jesse show. He just wrote a book. It's called The Secret of the Holy Face. In fact, I have the Holy Face of Jesus right over my computer. So every time I do radio and I look up right over the camera, I see the Holy Face of Jesus. And there's a short little prayer right on it. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, by the love you bear, you bear us, cause the light of your Holy Face to shine upon us always. I say that three times every day before I start the radio show. Father Carney, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse and Terry. Appreciate it. Yeah. Father, so what is the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face? Well, the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face is something that very people, very few people know about. It was started by Pope Leo XIII in 1885. And it's basically the revelations that were given by Jesus to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre and to his friends in the 1840s. And the juxtaposition of it is, is God is very disappointed at the human race for blasphemy mm. and for profanation of Sundays and holy days of obligation. And so God is punishing us. And so this arch confraternity is a counter-revolution against the revolutionary men. Because Jesus told Sister Mary St. Peter, that I'm going to punish the human race with revolutionary men. So this arch confraternity is an official canonical pious association of the faithful that we need the world to know about so we can fight against the world elites. Wow. Father, my follow-up question is, you know, obviously you want to get a lot of people to be enrolled in this, but you have a pretty big goal. You want a million people to enroll. What's the benefits of enrolling into this group? The benefits are there's the connection to the graces. Mm -hmm. So when we enroll in the confraternity of the Holy Rosary, we're connected to an army. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we haven't been taught in the last few decades is how important it is to enroll, to be enlisted, mm -hmm. to be official members. Mm -hmm. So the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Faith is an official way to connect with other members like St. Therese of Lisieux, mm -hmm. of the child Jesus and of the Holy Face, yep. and both of her, or her, her father, they enrolled in 1885. And we connect with Sister Mary St. Peter and Venerable Leo de Pont as well. And this is an army that needs to be built up. And I think that God is making these times so evil so that people that are God-fearing start to see we need to make reparation. We need to repair the relationship between God, our Father, and our human family. So this arch confraternity is a blueprint, an instruction list given to us pretty much by God and his church of how we can get out from underneath this mess that we've gotten into in the world where it seems like thugs and evil people are going to rule over us. But it's basically a reminder of what happens in the Old Testament when you don't follow the Ten Commandments of God. God is going to let his enemies punish us. So this is a clarion call to focus on the top three commandments. Because if we don't get these commandments right, of honoring God, then the other seven aren't going to be accomplished either. Makes sense. F Father, the entire confraternity or the whole devotion to the holy face of Jesus, I I've read little bits and pieces, it has something to do 
uh, with communism, we I guess we've been warned about the infiltration or the growth of communism and uh, the the devotion to the holy faith of Jesus. Correct me if I'm wrong. It has something to do with helping us stave off or fight off against the infiltration of communism in society and in the church. Is that is that correct? That is correct. What I couldn't believe is when I read the revelations of Sister Mary St. Peter, that Christ our Lord called out the enemies of God by name, communists. When I read that, I'm like, wow, this devotion <laughs> needs to be so known because our Lord is so direct with us on how we need to fight communism. And so few people know about the ills of communism. I read a book by Paul Kenger oh, yeah. about communism that came out recently. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that a conservative measure of how many people have been killed by communism, 100 million people yep. and 65 million in China. I never knew that. And so this is some, this is a, a weapon, a spiritual combat, a mystical combat, a weapon against communism. Because if we can't flex our muscles as politicians, we can at least be better Catholics and get on our knees and know the best way to pray through this because Our Lady of Fatima gave us the weapon of the rosary. Amen. And our Lord of the Holy Face gave us the wep- many weapons called the manual of the Arch Comforter of the Holy Face. There's so many prayers in there. And it was written by these French Catholics back in the 1880s. It's so manly. It's like these prayers are so awesome that... Mm. <laughs> People are really drawn to this. And it's amazing. I was talking yesterday uh, to Brooke Taylor. Some people were on the line calling in and they were saying, Father, I called and today I had this idea. I need to be involved with the Holy Face. And then, lo, I hear this this show about you giving the Holy Face. And Jesse, Terry, this happens all the time. I love it. Because God is, (laughs) he's building up an army and it's time for us to enlist. (laughs) Father, I love it. Father, Make the connection about why is the secret of the rosary and the secret of the holy face so important in our times. And I know you mentioned Our Lady of Fatima, but I'd like to hear more on that. Well, the secret of the rosary, the rosary was given to us by St. Dominic in 1214 after he went into a coma. Our Lady gave him the rosary and she said, preach this, preach (laughs) this. And he went and preached it in Toulouse for the first time. And the devil was trying to attack him and get people away from him to, to preach. But he preached it and crushed Albigensianism, one of the heresies. And St. Louis de Montfort wrote a book called The Secret of the Rosary. And he explains how we can have a fervor for praying it. And that be- book was so beautiful that I think it helped me at least. But I think it's helped so many right. people to see the value of the rosary and to pick up our arms and to know how to use it. You know, in an in a army, people are taught how to use their guns. They're different types of guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the secret of the holy face is that this devotion has not been known to the general public. And our Lord told Sister Mary St. Peter, that's okay, because we need to get this established canonically with the Pope and with the Bishop of Tours so that it will have a foundation. So later on, he told her that there will be apostles in later times that would spread this devotion. So I said, sign me up. Because <laughs> yeah. mm. this happened in Tours, France, 
uh, St. Martin of Tours brought Sister Mary St. Peter mm -hmm. and Venerable Leo de Pont together uh, for some amazing things to happen. And November 11th is the feast day of St. Martin of Tours, and that's my birthday. So I knew when I was reading this, that this devotion was something I had to become an apostle of and spread it to the whole world. Awesome. And another thing mm -hmm. in the secret of the rosary, Blessed Alan de la Rocha, he died in 1475, but he encouraged 100,000 people to enroll in the confraternity of the Holy Rosary. So I thought, well, why not get a million people in the Irish confraternity? Because we've got media like you guys helping us out. Mm. When back then he had to preach without a microphone, now we have Zoom. So it's it's we can do it, right? Amen. Amen. Yep. Father, so uh, why is this devotion the holy face why do you think that it's destined to save society that's a good question because it was prophesied by blessed pope leo blessed pope pius the ninth he said reparation is destined to save society now a little background is important to know what's going on back in his time there were enemies in Rome, and he had to flee to Gaeta for his life. And the Masons were starting to take away the Papal States. And so he commanded in Rome to have people do devotions. And so at St. Peter's Basilica, he had the Holy Face put out. And there was a miracle that happened. This Vale of Veronica was 1800 and some 50 years old, and it had been very dark there you couldn't see the face anymore and they had a, a very thin silk cover it just to protect it from the weather but what happened is the last three hours is his face began to be drawn on there miraculously and there was a like a death-like glow of light coming from there and so pope uh blessed the ninth is the one that said this is destined to save society. So mm. what happened is Vera Leo Pont had one of these copies that was touched to the Valveronic and he put it in his drawing room. And guess how many people were cured from it? How many? 6,000. Wow. Certified <laughs> cures. That's awesome. So those are physicians saying under oath, they signed it said, this cannot be explained by physical evidence. So that's God telling us that there's something here in the future. And before I became a seminarian, I was in investments. And my job was to look at companies to see who's going to be the star in the future. And we put our money down. We were managing, I think, like $400 million. <laughs> but God said, no, you need to become a priest. And I think I this it. is one of the reasons I need to do it. Because, hey, everybody, this devotion, we all need to get geared in on this devotion. Because God is giving us some foundational science show this thing is going to, to explode. Awesome. Father Carney, you just mentioned that you were involved in investments. Well, you still are. You're investments in souls. That I love what you're doing now. Father, the question I'm going to ask before the break, and it's just something that the little flower had great devotion to the Holy Face. Some I've read where she was actually healed as a little girl. Can you tell us just briefly what happened to the little flower regarding the Holy Face of Jesus? Well, what happened is she, she joined the Carmelite in Lisieux and her sister, Mother Agnes, was in charge for three years. Yes. And what happened is she received an autobiography 
from Mother Agnes. And guess who it was about? It was about Sister Mary de St. Pierre. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she read this biography. Yes. And she wanted to dedicate her life in imitation of her. Wow. So her holiness is based upon reading that biography. And Sister Mary de St. Peter died in the order of sanctity. Her, her cause went forward, but it was shut down. Mm-hmm. And so I think that her cause needs to be reopened because she received these beautiful revelations of how to destroy communism and the revolution against man. So as St. Therese of Lisieux went to heaven, she's interceding to save her souls. Yes. And so I think that it's through this devotion that she can intercede and, and have many souls come back to the church. Wow. Father Carney, author of Secret of the Holy Face from Tan Books. Get the book, please. It's got me excited. The little flower shirt bought into this. And you know what's actually fascinating? That this devotion is not well known yet. But with Father's help, and here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're going to do our best. Stay with us, family, for more on the Holy Face. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We got the great privilege of having Father Carney on with us. He wrote a book. It's called The Secret of the Holy Face. That picture is right over my computer. It's been there for several years, and I do a morning prayer to the Holy Face of Jesus before I start my radio shows. You can pick up the book, The Secret of the Holy Face, by Tan Books. Go to tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. Don't go to Amazon. Support Catholic publishers. Go to Tan Books. Father Carney, I'm just kind of interested. What order are you from? I see that you have a white cassock. I'm a, from the order of St. Peter. That means I'm a diocesan priest. Okay. And I get, got permission from my bishop to wear the white cassock because I go walk in the streets to try to save souls. And so it allows me to go out there more when it gets hot out. Are you are you still in Kansas, Father? Is that what, I know that's uh, that's when I was. I'm actually back. moving back to Kansas in July, so I'm in Missouri right now. Got it. You're st- doing the same thing. You're still 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 hitting the streets and and, and preaching the gospel, just like uh, just like a, 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 an old or New Testament uh, n- nomadic prophet. <laughs> yeah, I try to do that. And some of the priests I talk to tell me, you know, Father, this is what we should be doing. Priests should be doing this because. The original missionaries were always priests and bishops, just like the apostles. Father, you started this a couple of years ago, because I know t- me and Terry, we, we were keeping up with you. We read that you basically took to the streets as a priest. What was it, about four years ago, three, four years ago? It's been about eight years ago now. Time flies. Wow. Well, uh, I hope God gives you good health and good strong legs so you can keep on being a street, a street missionary. So, Father, tell us a little bit about some of the main players, like Venerable Leo DuPont, uh, Sister Marie de Saint Pierre, you, you told us about Sister Saint Therese of the Child Jesus in relation to the Holy Face. But you, what are some stories of Venerable Leo Dupont and Sister Mary de Saint Pierre in relation to the Holy Face? Okay, yes, Venerable Leo Dupont, he could not stand blasphemy, and he would box people on the ear when he would hear it. <laughs> now, there's some background that's important for that. He he grew up in Martinique which is in the Caribbean islands back in the 18, the early 1800s. So when he moved to France, he couldn't believe people were blaspheming the name of God. 
Mm. So he would pop him on the ear. But the thing is, back in his colony, the laws of St. Leo the Ninth were still there, and blasphemy was punishable by mutilation of the, the tongue or the lips. Mm. But when he went to France, he realized the French Revolution had caused blasphemy to be widespread. So it's so neat to see the dichotomy of what happened and where we're at. And he was called the Holy Man of Tours because he would walk around all the churches and he would make visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Or if the church was destroyed by the French Revolution, he would pray that the church would be revived somehow. And he was very close to a lot of religious communities and tours because he was very well to do and he would support them financially. And the mother of Tours, uh, the Carmelites, uh, introduced him to Sister Mary St. Pierre and they struck off a really good relationship because her revolution revelations by Jesus were told to the Venerable Leo Pont. So he became an advocate of hers since she had to be um, in the convent, she couldn't get out and she had to be a contemplative and in the cloister. So Venerable Leo Pont would go to the archbishop and he would talk to people about how this devotion needed to be spread. And of course, he had the 6,000 miracles that I mentioned earlier in this show. And he just loved the holy face and he predicted that if people don't start getting to this devotion, that someday in the future, the world is going to be enslaved by communism. So he said that about 150 years ago. So Sister Mary St. Pierre, she found her vocation in tours because she wasn't able to join the Carmel that was close to home. So she went to a chapel where his relics, St. Martin of Tours relics were being displayed and she profusely begged him in tears for a vocation. So she left the world on November 11 and entered the Carmelites in Tours where uh, St. Martin of Tours was the bishop. And November 11, of course, was the feast day of St. Martin of Tours. So she left the world on that day. So if you read the book, you'll see there's so many more connections with these. I'm just giving you mm. a very brief overview. Father, what, tell me a little bit about, um, <clears throat> is this devotion a blueprint to overturn the elite's desire to enslave us all? Because, yeah, they are trying to enslave us all with Build Back Better, you know, the World Economic Forum, uh, you know, uh, th this whole Great Reset. All of this is meant to, to, to uh, grow government and, and make us all enslaved to this uh, New World Order. So is this devotion a blueprint to overturn the elites, their desire to enslave us all? Yes, it is. The beautiful thing about this devotion is it's a narrative from God's point of view. So it's not coming from hell, of course. And the narratives that are going all over the world, they're distracting us and making us depressed and causing people to die that shouldn't be dying. But this narrative is from God. And he's telling us the plot. He said, I'm punishing the world with communists and so our lord is giving us a narrative of how we can get out from underneath these people and it's it's the old testament again where 
if, if people would not follow the commandments of God, then God would punish them by having the enemies come and overtake them. Well, that's what's happening on a, on a world scale now. But we have the spiritual weapons given to us by God, who is the one that's making this narrative of how we can overcome this. So I've noticed when people get involved in the devotion to the holy face, they connect with other people and they go from being depressed and sad to being happy. Like, okay, we're fighting. We know that we might go down. We might lose some battles, but we're fighting the war for God now. And he's told us how to do it through the Arch Confraternity, Sister Mary St. Peter, uh, Venerable Leo de Pont and St. Teresa of Sioux. And there's a bunch of other apostles of the holy face you'll find in my book that are leading for the future for us to really get our hands involved in this devotion because jesus told sister mary saint peter this is the best thing heaven can give below the sacraments hmm. devotion to the holy face father i can see you're very i can see you personally are very fired up about this you i can i can tell you're convicted about this and so why is this devotion personal uh, you know, why is this devotion important in your personal life, Father? Well, this devotion is so important in my life because I don't want anyone to go to hell. And this devotion helps people to give reparation to God, to repair that relationship with our human family to God. It also gives us reverence. It really encourages people to start looking for the most reverent masses that we can find, like the Latin mass. And it also helps us to bring reversions, people back to the Catholic church. So it's very powerful. And it's not me that's making this narrative. This is God's narrative. And I'm basically an apostle of it. Because I was born on November 11th, where this was put, our Lord put this into the hands of Sister Mary St. Pierre in Tours, France. And so I knew that I had to be one that did. And whenever I talk about it and, and preach about it, get called to go on missions about it, I get fired up. And I think that I shouldn't be the only one. I think there should be thousands of priests someday. And I think there should be about a million Catholics that get fired up about this because this is how God is going to fight the war for us. If we do what he says in this devotion. And so it's a matter of obedience. He's given us the way out of this world disaster makes sense to me yeah it seems like this is the blueprint uh against the new world order that we've been hearing about for decades now so father why should priests incorporate this devotion uh it, it, you know during mass what is how can a priest incorporate it during holy mass and what does this devotion do uh against uh you know Against, our, against the enemies of Mother Church. Beautiful. So Jesus told Sister Mary St. Peter, oh, that I wish that you would hurl the weapons that were used to crucify me and, and punish me back at the enemy. Wow. So hurling back the cross, the nails, the spear, the pliers, the flagellation, the pillar, etc., hurling those back spiritually at the demons and at their agents. And so the best way that can be done is in the holy sacrifice of the mass. Now, there's a movement going on that's just started. It's called Restore the 54. 
So basically that's the Latin mass, but it's the rubrics before 1955, before Archbishop Ennio Bonini touched our divine liturgies in the Latin rite. And so the idea was that priests during the time after Pentecost, they have options to add prayers during certain days uh, on, the, on the liturgical calendar. And there's options to add the prayers for the mass of the five wounds of Jesus, hmm. to add options for the orations for the nails, the spear, the crown of thorns, and all the other implements that were used to attack our Lord. Well, the priest is so powerful. What did St. John Marie Vinny say about priests? Yeah. If you knew the power of the priest, you would die out of joy. So priests have the power to insert these prayers into their masses. And the most, it's like, the, it's the nuclear mass operation of sending these, these weapons that were used to hurt Jesus at the demons and at these agents, because they're the ones that are evil. They're the ones that deserve to get these things back, hit back on them. So this is the counter-revolution for priests, is to go back and say these prayers. Wow, that's, that is so, so powerful. Father Carney, we're going to have to have you back. Good stuff. Uh, God bless you Love for all you do, back. Father. God bless you for all you do. Keep up the good work, and we'll, we'll stay in contact. You'll be listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Get Father Carney's book, The Secret of the Holy Face. Go to Tan Books. The Secret of the Holy Face, tanbooks.com. Thank you, Father. We'll see you next Thank time. You. God bless you. God bless, Father. God bless you. Up next, the Christian response to Pride Month. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. A Christian response to Pride Month. I have a question. The yeah. author Noel Marion writes, Does the radical Christian call to love all God's children regardless of the LGBTQ plus identification? demand our silence or even our affirmation of the ever-growing pride movement that occupies our streets, shops, and inboxes for the month of June. This question is on my mind. Mm -hmm. Carl Truman, calling on Christians to resist Pride Month, it was met with some measure of controversy which was expected but not sought. We have no desire to provoke this for the sake of provoking but nor do we desire to perpetuate a profoundly destabilizing ideology that increasingly demands public displays of loyalty. It can be hard to see, clearly, in an age of ideology, when looking back at the vast and varied unjust movements of the past from slavery to eugenics to Mayoism, we tend to think we would have been on the right side of it all, However, the reality is that living in a sea of powerful and coercive cultural messaging is deeply disorienting. Good-willed people can get it wrong, sometimes grievously wrong. So to help clarify what love demands of us with regard to Pride Month, we, we, we might imagine a similar predicament with different players who are less sympathetic but no less deserving of love. Expanding on a comparison, what is the loving Christian response of the person marching in a white pride parade? One might argue, some of those marching are deeply wounded in ways we cannot fathom. 
Some have surely been treated unjustly or perhaps marginalized, seeing other ethnicities celebrate their heritage while they could not celebrate their own. We might think they're wrong to march, but let, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. The job of the Christian is not to judge, but always and only to love. No, we would all surely pound our fist. Loving the sinner does not require silence or endorsement of such a vile public spectacle. We're called to love, even the racist, but that love does not preclude speaking out against a white pride parade. Or, what if we can imagine a celebrate unfaithful husband's parade? Yeah, bring it to its logical conclusion. Keep going, Jeff. Yeah. It's good. A possible defense might be, yeah. a man loves whom he loves. <laughs> Perhaps his prior marriage was cold or loveless. Sure, it's a bit weird that a 58-year-old man needs to march about how he now lives blissfully with a freshly minted college graduate some decades his junior, but how and who he loves is not ours to discern. It has taken many such men a long time to overcome their nagging sense of shame, so let's remind them of their dignity and give them their own special adulterer pride flag to wave. <laughs> to resist their activism, risk turning them away from the gospel. Perhaps one could object that such experiments are not fair because people are deeply hurt by sins of racism and infidelity, whereas gay or transgender, bisexual or queer or pansexual or active or plus activities are victimless sins. Finally, Christians are not consequentialists. Nope. Viewing harms to others as a sole and final metric of sin. Secondly, every sin harms a sinner. And when pursued obstinately and unrepentantly can rupture and ravage one's friendship with our Lord. Another thing I'll add that's not in the, in, in the article is that one sin, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, affects the entire body of Christ. Today. Well said. And Jesse, remember Father Bill Casey said the most merciless thing you can do is let yeah. someone wallow in their sin. He makes this point that all sin harms the community, even if indirectly and Inevitably, the harm becomes quite directed. An ideology that triumphs human desire and power over meaningful embodied human nature eventually ends up targeting the most vulnerable women and children. And this is evident in the absurd and nihilistic way women are no longer able to define or to be defended in anything from athletics to locker rooms to Supreme Court confirmations. Revolutions move quickly and feminists of yesterday holding on to their women card are fossils to a progressive movement which has moved to a deconstruct, disrupt, and destroy the gender binary. Continue, Jess. The direct harm is also evident in the queer theory's calculus that exposing mm -hmm. children to adult sexuality is a necessary part of social liberation. Yep. Videos went viral this week of provocatively dressed men Horrible. dancing while young children pressed cash into their G-strings at a Drag the Kids to Drag Pride event. Horrible. In the name of pride, Kellogg's put cartoon characters on their cereal boxes, urging kids to pick their pronouns oh and reminding them that no matter who they love, they're too awesome to fit in a box. Also, taking the knee in obeisance to pride, uh, Washington Post featured a salvo for why kink is for kids too. Oh my gosh. 
From this multivariate assault aided and abetted by media, tech, and many shepherds of liberation in the K-12 classroom comes a heartbreaking yet predictable chaos and disruption of childhood. The rapidly rising numbers of minors seeking to hormonally halt puberty and mutilate their bodies before they're old enough to drive a car should convince us that something has gone catastrophically wrong Mm -hmm. and that regardless of any particular person's good intentions, this is far from a benevolent movement. Terry? You think, Jesse? I'm just going to say it. Decades of messaging have all been canonized. Radical sexual autonomy as identical with courage and liberation. Any Any and all resist to this framework is labeled bigotry and hate. It is incumbent on us Christians to see such tactics and lies for what they really are, Jess. Every person deserves to be treated with dignity and love. In the context of personal relationships, that might mean most listening to the other struggle, affirming his or her fundamental worth and dignity. Let's, let's, the bottom line is, but Pride Month is not about human dignity, all right? It's about human defecation. Uh, de- deification. deification. Sorry, deification. Yes, the yeah. God. In other words, worshiping honest. the act of sodomy, of Terry. They, they've made an idol out of the act but, of sodomy. Yeah, deification is that yeah. I'm my own God. This is what yeah. homosexually said, homosexuals, all of this is saying, I don't want to go by anybody's rules but mine, and I make them up as I go. Yeah, that's what that we call that. Uh, that's a Luciferian mindset, which is basically... I do what I feel like doing. Nobody tells me what to do. No God, no Bible, no church. They don't tell me what to do. That's human deification. And that happens when you're a secular humanist. That's the default position to secular humanists is that they become, they deify themselves. And And the the fact is, Terry, here's what's sad is that you have a lot of big corporations, a lot of big companies. Oh, yeah. They're behind this Pride Month financially. Oh, yeah. And so they're using these big institutions, these big money institutions and they're weaponizing sodomy and immorality, and they're trying to normalize it. Yep. And, 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 and uh, as Catholics, we, also, we're always, we always teach that we're not defined by our sin. In other words, we don't, I don't walk around saying, my, I'm Jesse Romero, I'm an alcoholic, I'm Jesse Romero, I'm a, I'm a pot smoker. I'm, mm-hmm. No, I'm Jesse Romero, I'm a child of God who struggles with certain sins. Yeah. So one of our one of our listeners, and I just want to say, what's the solution? It goes right back to Jesus Christ. But I love this one. He said, "Forget who it was, but this guy cheating on his wife with a man. He was a victim because his sexuality was not affirmed." Give me a break. You see, these are all the excuses. But let's bottom. Let's give the bottom line on this topic. What's the solution to this world that acts like they want to worship themselves and act like God doesn't exist? We got to give them the truth, and the truth is. That God does exist and that God loves them and that they would cease to exist exist if God didn't think of them. And that we want to show them that the way, the truth, and the life, his name is Jesus Christ. And that's what we try to do. And not to be to be silent and not teach them, that's a sin of omission, Jess. Right. And also, Terry, that the, the God that's uh, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit yes. has given us uh, what's called an ethical monotheistic system called the Ten Commandments. Amen. In other words, anything you buy, you buy a television, you buy a microwave, you buy a cell phone, there's instructions with everything you buy. The human person also comes with instructions because given to our own 
fallen nature and our own devices, we would, we would destroy ourselves. And so the instructions that were given to us are the Ten Commandments. They're eternal. They're for Jew and Gentile. They will be here until the second coming of Christ. Amen. And we will all be judged by the standard of the Ten Commandments. Some people will say, well, I don't know the Ten Commandments. I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, guess what? You have no excuse because God has written the Ten Commandments in your heart. And so as Catholics, uh, you know, life isn't just, uh, you know, uh, some big, you know, romp in the garden. There's There are standards and God has given us a standard of how to how to live. And to be and happy. Those, stan- those standards are found in the Ten Commandments. Amen. And that's where we'll find our fulfillment. Jesse, yeah. so many of these people have such high percentages of, of suicide. You know, homosexuals. Uh, alcoholism, alcoholism, drug abuse, all this. depression. Come on, be honest. There's a reason for it. And let's be honest. God forgives, but nature never forgives. And we know that this monkey uh, virus that's coming out, it doesn't affect straight men doesn't. You know what it affects? People who are homosexuals and using their faculties in the wrong way. It wasn't designed that way. Just like AIDS, it, it's, it's, a, it's really just God will forgive them if they ask for forgiveness. But you know what? When you do things to your body that's against the nature, your body rebels. And that's what's happening right now in the world today. We just want to show them that we love them enough to tell them the truth, Jess. Let's not forget that they've chosen the name Pride Month. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins that will send you to hell. In fact, the fathers of the church say of the seven deadly sins in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, pride is the worst of all seven. And uh, the rainbow was a holy sign given to us by God, actually to Noah, to the covenant with Noah. And the homosexuals now use this holy sign to to announce their perversion, Terry. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's right, Jess. Don't forget, everybody. Uh, keep the faith, spread the faith, share the gospel, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, not on any priest, bishop, or even the Pope. Get your focus on Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And don't forget, it's been over a month to go to confession. Visit the Blessed Sacrament often. Pray your daily rosary. Remember, your your prayers can affect the salvation of souls. Our Lady said it well. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in the state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in the state of mortal sin. And remember, uh, the only tragedy in life is not to become a saint. Well said. Up next, Dr. Sandoval's show. Stay with us. If you can't get it on your station, go to vmpr.org. Download the free app. You can listen to all the shows and podcasts that we here produce at VMPR. Virgin, most powerful radio. Pray for us. May God richly bless you and keep the faith.